Monday edition of the Nebraska 24-7 podcast. I'm Mike Schaefer, joined by Brian Christopherson, Michael Brunts. Nebraska has 23 signatures more today than they had yesterday. What does that mean to you guys? It means you don't have much work to do in January. What are you going to do? Take some time off, I guess. Sit around. It's not supposed to happen. And see if we can barter down what my quota is for the month. Red Dead Redemption, probably, too, for you, that's, right? Uh, that's what Thursday looks like for me. I don't know about you guys, but uh, I'm not I didn't on. even know what the game was like as of two weeks ago, so no. <laughs> Remember, you, expl- you guys explained it to me on a podcast, I think. Yeah. Yeah. I don't understand how you wouldn't have just come across it. I don't get out much. That was, that was on our alternate <laughs> Explaining Things to BC podcast that we run occasionally. I wear sweatpants. like a once a year thing. <laughs> I wear sweatpants four times a week. I go down to the high V down the block to get my food. Do you <laughs> do you go to high V for breakfast and just sit there by yourself in the morning? I've I have gone to breakfast a few times there. I'm I'm I fit right in too with like the clientele that's about twice my age. But do you at least bring a computer? Yeah. All right. Well, yeah. you're, you're making <laughs> something out of it. Tomorrow I'll probably go there and type about this class that we learned about well, today. And I think that's fine. I'd have more concern if you were just going there to get a cup of coffee and staring off into the distance. No, no, I get There'd some. There'd be a lot more concern on I get some eggs and bacon and Okay. And that's that's where he does his best thinking. Oh yeah. <laughs> With the eggs and the bacon. <laughs> all right, well, it took about two minutes and we're already way off track here. That's all right. Signing day. Nebraska signed twenty three players, all of them high school at this point. They picked up commitments on Wednesday from Brant Banks, defensive end from Houston, Jimmy Fritchie, an offensive lineman from South Carolina, and Ty Robinson, the defensive lineman from Arizona. Obviously, Robinson, the the highly touted biggest get of these three. So I'm going to throw – I'm going to take him out. When you look at Jimmy Fritchie and you look at Brant Banks, why would you feel if you do? Maybe you don't. Maybe you think they're terrible. But why do you think that they are good gets for Nebraska? Why why do the do their commitments on a day like today matter? Even though it's not going to bump the recruiting rankings, it's not going to move them up. What do these guys provide in the class? Fritchie is interesting to me just because he he's kind of in that vein of what Wisconsin and Iowa have done for years. I mean, you you get a a fullback, a tight end, who's pretty athletic and long, you put about 60 pounds on him, and all of a sudden you've got like an all-conference lineman. And I think what that, A, what the evaluation of him by the staff tells me, and then, you know, what what kind of his commitment tells me is the belief that they have in Zach Duvall that they just basically have to get these guys like Clay in, and he's going to mold them into players. And... You know, I, I think Nebraska was way ahead of everybody in, in evaluating him as a potential offensive tackle. Um, you saw Clemson come in very late. Um, it'd be interesting if if you didn't have the early signing period, how that would have played out with Clemson, because I feel like you know they were obviously trying to figure out their numbers, uh, which helped Nebraska. But I, I, he's more intriguing to me just because I, I think anytime you have a guy that projects well into the future of what he's going to be and, and isn't, you know, ready made to, to come in and play right away. I think that's always kind of, kind of grabs the imagination a little bit. Plus, 
you, you put in the headline that they nice beat out perception. Clemson for him, and uh, a little extra juice there too. Yeah, it's a nice perception win. Yeah, and and Brant Banks, I mean, looking at his size, we have him listed at six seven two sixty five. Um, could have played on either side of the ball, right? I mean, he he's a he he's a pretty versatile kid. Um, combine him with guys like Ethan Piper, who could. You know, they still aren't sure where they're going to put him, uh, defense or offense. I, I just like when they get these guys who um, don't have just one set position. You know, you could find different spots for them, and it makes you feel pretty good about them just as football players overall. I really like Brant Banks because I think what it tells me or shows me is what Nebraska is trying to look like on their defensive line. I, I felt like the last two years they've struggled on defense – in part because of the pass rush, in part because the secondary hasn't come together completely, but also because you're asking three guys to do more on your defensive front, and they just don't take up enough space. Mm-hmm. Freedom wasn't a 3-4 defensive end. I don't know if I think either Carlos Davis or Khalil Davis is, but you take somebody like Brant Banks and you put some weight on him, and he's six foot seven, and you think he has the footwork and the speed to do it, and Nebraska does. That's the thing. I mean – they could have easily recruited him to be an offensive lineman, except Mike Dawson loved this guy as a defensive lineman. The The theme with Brant Banks is that Nebraska thinks that he's significantly better than just about anybody else does as a defensive lineman. Nobody else was recruiting him that way. But Mike Dawson sees something that other people don't, and that has me really curious. And I, again, just really like the idea of you get Casey Rogers and Tate Wildeman last year, you – throw in behind them Ty Robinson, who's already 6'6", 280 pounds. Mosai Newsom, who's just under 6'4", 260 pounds. And now you have Brant Banks. I mean, they've gotten bigger. They have bigger bookend defensive ends, and I think that's what you need with that front seven, and I think that really helps him out. And then, you know, with Jimmy Fritchie, I look at it almost like a lottery ticket. I mean, you're getting an athletic six foot seven guy that you can put some weight on who's got some, some lineage with his family. His dad played in the NFL briefly. I, I just think they, again, saw somebody that was more athletic and fit a profile that they feel as some one of you, it might have been Bruns mentioned, uh, you know, with Zach Duvall, you feel very confident in how he can build and develop. This, I don't know why you wouldn't take those guys. This class matched up exactly with what Frost said right after the Iowa game, where he had that candid moment where he said, I'm, I don't want to look over across the field again and see where they just got bigger dudes than we do in the trenches and there's just a lot of size in this class I mean I wrote about it today everybody there's these people out there that always complain oh they're not recruiting linemen this this was a this is a lineman heavy class in many ways and linemen sort of stole the show out of your 23 a third of them are you know offensive and and they're big some of them I mean Ben Hart Frost said today he's the biggest kid he's ever recruited. Ty Robinson's a house. Um, and then the kid, actually the one guy who stuck out the most to me at Scott Frost Presser of all the kids he mentioned was I Michael Lynn. Was what? Michael Lynn. Yeah. You think the way that he talked say? about him? Well, just how he said he's like a 29-year-old. Like and when he talks to him, and he's just going to be a cerebral kid that I think they – who he's got great size to him, 6'6", 290. And combined, he's going to be a guard too. Co- combine that with a guy who's got some brains and you've, you're, you're working with something. Just in, in kind of thinking about which assistant coaches had good classes, because, I mean, people 
people talk about that. I mean, you know, who's the recruiter of record, that kind of thing. I mean, you have to give Troy Walters and Ryan Held credit for the job they did in getting Nebraska back in the door with, with Wandale Robinson. Um, but Greg Austin and Mike Dawson, they had really good classes here. Oh, I yeah. mean, Scott Frost, you know, kind of joked that Austin kind of had to make his case for why they were going to take as many offensive linemen as they did. But, you know, in, in this – Did he just open up the door and point at his room? <laughs> Is that unfair? Because <laughs> uh, I don't know if that's unfair. Maybe a list of – maybe a depth chart. Maybe that's what he did. Um, but it – just went and grabbed practice from the first day of spring 2018. It was like, this is what I had. Yeah. I mean, it's – but but that's – those guys, you had to add depth there. I mean, you, you saw for as good as A.J. Martinez was, for as explosive as that offense was, both of those lines were, were question marks going into the season. They're question marks coming out of the season. And you had to add depth there. And, I mean, the – you're right. The the size that they added, especially on defense. I mean, they're really big on, on that. Uh, the guys that they added in that front four, and, and that to me is probably the story of the class is what they added depth wise in those two two position groups. Fascinatingly enough, I mean, you look at what Ryan Held did with his running back room, and they lose Divino Zigbo, who's a thousand yard rusher for him this year. You get Maurice Washington back. You lost Greg Bell in the middle of the year who basically just decided that he didn't want to be at Nebraska, which probably turned out to be a good thing because it opened up just to turn to Divino Zigbo and you got more out of Maurice Washington that way. You don't know what's going to happen with Jalen Bradley, but now you have Wandale Robinson who could be a running back for you. You have Ramir Johnson who will be a running back for you. You're excited to find out what you're going to get out of Ronald Tompkins who's trying to come back from a second ACL tear. They're planning on hosting somebody like John Bivens next month. Ryan Held has a really fascinating, you look at his, where this running back room was when he inherited it to what it is now, and it's just totally different. And they have the pieces of the running backs that Nebraska wants going forward, and and they, they have that in place. And we haven't even mentioned, you know, Dedrick Mills, who I still expect will sign before the end of the period. The period runs till Friday. I know the press conference was today and that most of the people signed, but the expectation is that Dedrick Mills will be in the class and that, uh, you know, he has until Friday to sign. And I think that's the thought process over there. So you get Mills involved in that too, and it's just going to be really interesting what it looks like, but you just see where you're blending a power component of Mills with some dynamic playmaking and Johnson and, and Wandale Robinson when he's involved in the running back room. And then you get a bit of a blend of it with, you know, Ronald Tompkins if he's healthy. So I, and, and, of course, on top of all of that, you have Maurice Washington, who's going to have a lot of say in, in what happens next year too. So uh, I'm very intrigued by that running back room. And I, I think Ryan Held did a really nice job again this year, uh, not only with his group, but, of course, helping out, you know, whether it's Wandale or, or whoever else uh, in recruiting as much as possible. I think as you listen to Frost talk today, it really came out just how much he loves his assistant coaches. I mean, he kept going down the line on different topics, and it was like he ended up praising most everybody in one way or another. I mean, Sean Becton was huge in yeah, Georgia. He asked the question about Georgia. Yeah, that's the, the, the Georgia storyline's big because it's going to keep being 
big, I think, for this staff. You know, they have four in the class. Maybe they'll even add someone, I don't know, to finish it. And you got to assume next year they're going to get a – I bet they'll get three or four more there. The it way was back. after they took a couple last year too. Yeah. Um, and we'll have I'll more on this, but one of the kids I interviewed from Georgia is Miles Farmer. Um, he was talking about Sean Becton, and he said he's like he's like dad. He's like the dad of the coaches. Like they, they have this team process and recruiting guys, but Sean Becton's like the guy. Like you could see it too if you've ever talked to Sean Becton, where he'd sit across from you now. Like your grades all right and all that stuff, and guys don't want to disappoint him. And I I think uh, I can see where that's really impactful to young men, but also their parents and their you know their guardians when they see a guy like that. What was interesting to me today is Nebraska's recruiting assistants had like a field day with the, the GIFs and everything going through. And one of them was labeled, here comes our closer, Sean Becton. Yeah. And it was Mariano Rivera coming out of the bullpen. And I was thinking to myself, that's interesting because I don't know if people would have thought that. But if that's how they view Sean that's Becton. That's the dad coming in. Yeah. I mean, that's a, that tells you a lot about where he's at and the value that he brings. And I – I think he's one of those guys that we probably haven't highlighted enough, you know, throughout this first year. Well, there's a reason why Scott Frost, I mean, they wanted – he was the toughest guy to get here. And you understand why. He had such a connection to Central Florida. He yeah, his life there. was built there. Yeah, and his family's there. And they, they packed up the whole family, including his son, who works in the with the strength staff now. Um, and I'm that Sean Becton will tell you that helped, that his son was coming along on that trip. But – I'm sure Scott Frost wanted wanted him for that very reason because he is that guy who can finish the deal. The, the work that they did in Georgia is important because, it, you know, Nebraska will probably end up with a top 25 recruiting class when all is said and done. And as we sit here right now, they had zero commitments in California. They had zero in Florida. And they had one in Texas. And it didn't come until today. Right. Like – if if you would have said that ten months ago, if Nebraska gets shut out of Florida and California, will they have a top forty five? What class? what is their ranking going to be? Yeah. Um, you know, Georgia, Alabama is a state that's really important to the staff, but you know, they they put a lot of miles in in this class, and you know, did a pretty nice job of, you know, Washington. I mean, you, they got back into New Jersey with Ramir Johnson. Uh, you know, just of really kind of getting around and, and making up for the fact that they weren't necessarily as, as, you know, efficient in California and places like that as they have been in the past. Yeah. I mean, it's very obvious they intend to recruit anywhere in the country and they expect that they're going to have a pitch that should be received anywhere in the country. And I don't think it's like they tried to avoid California. They certainly didn't avoid Florida. They had targets there. It just didn't work out in the same way that it did last year when they first came over from central Florida. But I, I think they did a really nice job of going into places, getting people they want. I mean, the Darien Chase recruitment in general is sort of like the the easiest story that you could ever have if you're at a coach. I mean, you offer a kid, you, you follow him on film, and you decide to offer him in late September and just make a phone call to see what his interest level is in playing wide receiver. And he says he's interested and asks if there'd be a chance that he could take a visit. You decide to have him come out on an official visit he loves it. You win your first game of the year. Nebraska throws the ball on Minnesota a little bit. He sees this freshman quarterback, decides, you know, this this is a good thing. They got a good thing going here. 
boom, you have a four-star wide receiver. <laughs> it took a month. I mean, you compare that to, like, recruiting Ty Robinson from January of 2018 to December of 2018. Ty Robinson and Darian Chase are roughly on the same spot in the, the top 247. So it, it fascinates me sometimes how easy it can be and how hard it can be all in the same class and for somebody of the same caliber. I mean, yeah. that's kind of what makes this thing fun when you see it all come together. I like the receivers. I mean, you can tell Frost likes Jamie Nance a lot, yeah. too. Uh, likes his I don't speed. I he can be my sleeper anymore because I feel like everybody's like, yeah, I like that Jamie Nance. Yeah, nobody's sleeping on him now. Yeah. But you, I think you, you could still call him your sleeper because you were kind of ahead of the curve on that, I think. But yeah, Well, we've been trying to get him rewrite. You know, if you were to so. say sleepers in the class and by a position – I, I guess the one the position group I'm most unsure of, and this isn't necessarily that they're bad, but it's a defensive back. So I don't know quite what to make of that group. Um, but I think Travis Fisher kind of trusts his instincts on guys. And I think if he was sitting here, he'd be smiling that you said that because I think that's what he wants. Right. I think he wants you to doubt him. Well, I, I just think that's how he is. I think a lot of people around here kind of – and he hasn't done anything yet, so you got to be careful with this Braxton Clark. Right. I think there's a lot of doubt about him when he arrived, but it seems like he's on a good path early on in his career, and, like, Travis Fisher might have been right. We'll see. But there's some guys kind of like that in this class, it feels like. Who Who is your guys' sleeper? Sleeper and or sleepers. You throw out Jamie Nance. And I, I think you have to throw out Jackson Hanna, too, even if he isn't the most highly rated. But I would honestly put him number one in this class based on every conversation I've had over the last five months or so since he's committed. I wonder if I wouldn't opt for somebody like Ethan Piper. I just think he's a the kind of guy that we don't talk about a ton. I could see him being a pretty good nose tackle. I could see him being a pretty good guard. Brian talked about how he liked that he has the versatility to play on either side of the ball, which makes him valuable in that you don't have to just lock him in somewhere, and if it doesn't work, you're th- you know throwing it away. I just think that I think Ethan Piper is going to be a, a pretty good player and could develop into a, a pretty good player. And based on what we've seen with their evaluation, the fact that they offered him as early as they did and were willing to let him commit as early as they did, Stood by it, never had any doubt with it. I mean, I I think that that's a staff that thinks that Ethan Piper was missed by everybody because of where he played. Don't you think Piper's one of those guys, he seems this way to me, where you can't say for sure, like, oh, he's going to be a great player, or, like he's a surefire guy. But you almost can say with a confidence he's going to be – you're going to get something out yeah. of him. You know, yeah, oh yeah. there's some guys in the class that their ceiling might be way up there, but you could also see them being gone in a year. It's just not going to work. And Ethan Piper is one of those recruits. I think you look at, you say there, he's going to give them something steady at some point, and he might even be really good. But, yeah. and that, that's always comforting when you got a guy, I think like that. And, I mean, he, I just and think he's about, what at two eighty, two hundred eighty pounds. Yeah, running a four eight forty, and I mean, he slimmed down like from right. what he looked like at the end of his basketball season to what he looked like when we saw him at Friday Night Lights camp. He was very explosive. I mean, it, he, was, it was impressive. He ran faster than some of the wide receivers at that camp who hold Nebraska offers. Yep, which is, I mean, 
maybe just one day, sure. But, I mean, it's notable. It's definitely notable. I think that's faster than some defensive linemen on their team right now. Oh, yeah. So, it's, I mean, if he can retain that athleticism and enhance it with the strength and conditioning, I I don't think he's going to play next year or play a role into much next year. So, then you get that year of development. Who knows? I, I really hope they keep him on the defensive side of the ball because I like the idea of an athletic nose tackle that can take up space. Um, I, you know, if he can do that, that'd be great. But then again, I also like the idea of a guy that can play guard that can actually get out, pull, get to the next level and all of that, and I think he could do that too. Have you ever covered a year or a class, and I know it's not over, but the main part of it is where it was so – there, there wasn't like some one drama-filled storyline that just overtook anything. I mean, there wasn't anything that really was like, oh, man, this is going to get nuts. Well, Wandale is the closest. Yeah, I, I, a little and bit. And that was weird. And even that one kind of just worked itself out right. easily enough. I well, mean, the contextual end of it was weirder than what actually probably happened. So mm-hmm. with, you know, people assuming right. that they, they knew what was going on more yeah. so than maybe they did, but. But, I mean, it was just such a – here it is. Yeah. I mean, and it kind of goes back. We've heard from this staff. They like – they they really, I think, study the mentality of the kids they're recruiting and kind of their, their behavior and are they going to be the type of kid that's going to fit. And the fact that everybody was so loyal to this class that after they committed, it was pretty much like, yeah, that's it. Uh, that's a good sign when you get them here, too. I mean, if it doesn't go their way the first year or two, you know, that you can count on them maybe sticking with it. And there's definitely somebody out there who's listening to this thinking, well, yeah, they're loyal because they didn't have any other offers or nobody was coming after them. And I can be like, that's patently untrue for multiple players. Jackson Hanna basically told his coach to stop telling, you know, telling him there's schools reaching out because he wasn't interested. There was – I know there was schools that were – Quentin Newsom, there was SEC schools – I mean, so these guys, Ramir Johnson said that there were schools reaching out to him as well. Michael Lynn, I think, picked up a Penn State offer. Uh, they had interest from other people, and they basically just shut it down. And that speaks to what you're talking about, the loyalty and Nebraska's, I think, diligence of researching, okay, we want guys that fit a certain type, and I think they got a lot of them. Ramir Johnson's impressive because he's committed a long time ago. And I know this offense uses a lot of different weapons, but if you're him, you're sitting back and there's all this hubbub over Wandale, and there's a bunch of backs in this class. There's a Juco back we think that's going to be in the class. And he just held steady. He's like, whatever. (laughs) I'll show up and, you know, contribute. But, I mean, his – his high school, like he wasn't really a featured back until this year. Yeah, I mean, you look well, at his, he broke the mold because they don't like to have a feature back, right? They you, want to cycle it a little bit. Yeah, so I mean, people. I mean, I remember when he committed, everybody was like, "Oh, you know, the, the numbers really aren't that great." And you know, then he turns around this year and goes down and plays Grayson High School in Georgia and runs all over him. I mean, that if that would probably be my sleeper in I mean, some just, ways, just because you call out Owen Papo right now. I mean. <laughs> They have like 17 D1 guys <laughs> on that team. <laughs> but Nebraska has one of them. Owen Papau is basically like Brian Bosworth and Ramir Johnson was like Bo Jackson is what you're saying. You, pretty much, yeah. This, this is exactly how it went. Just met at the two-yard line. The, the, I think he'd probably be my sleeper, though. I mean, that's that's a, that's a guy that I think committed, was solid, and was quickly forgotten about. 
and he had a pretty damn good senior year for a pretty good program in New Jersey. I'd maybe say Michael Lynn. <clears throat> Frost kind of sold me on it today when he was talking about him. That's fair. Yeah, I, I mean, I. That's fair. I I think in this profession you have to listen to how they talk about players. It's you kind of have to, to listen to what they volunteer versus what's asked. Mm-hmm. And if you ask specifically about someone and it sounds you know pretty straightforward. Not great. Or they seep into like a generality. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) But when you, you know, when you ask about the offensive line and then he's talking about Michael Lynn and just kind of goes off on how impressed he is by the way that Lynn is mentally, that tells you that there's a little bit deeper of a thing going on there than, well, we just had to take a guy to take a guy. Well, Frost likes playing all those like trivia games and stuff too. So maybe (laughs) he's just looking for somebody. He found somebody who can match him and. That's how, that's that's how, how they weed people. Yeah, out. they just play Sporkle all <laughs> yeah. like during the home whole home whole home visit. That'd be fun. I'd be okay with that. Just sitting around with Luke McCaffrey trying to name off who led led the American League in home runs from nineteen hundred <laughs> to nineteen fifty. Be Ruth. No, I mean like each year. Oh, well that would be. You'd have some Jimmy Fox in there. Yeah. Oh Mel Ott. No, Mel Ott was in the National League. Who else would be in there? I'm thinking about this too much. We gotta. <laughs> you got me off track. I like. I played a lot of Sporkle in college, and then I had to stop because it could just be a real bad time suck. I didn't. I didn't mean to uh, yeah. re- reignite your this podcast. Brought to you by Sporkle. <laughs> where Where else do we want to go with this? I mean, what? Okay, so here's the the hot button issue for January. How do you feel about Nebraska and? Noah Pola Gates. I mean, Frost talked about the need to get a corner. As of right now, there's no indication that Pola Gates is signed anywhere, and he plans to make an announcement at the Polynesian Bowl. What do you are, guys we, think? Are, are we sure he's a corner? I mean, you watch his film. I think he's a safety. He screams safety to me. Yeah. I think he's a safety. I think he's damn good. I think if Nebraska gets him, he'd sit in the top three of my Super Six, and I don't even care who else they finish with. Because I think he's that good. I mean, he's just off of what I've watched and who they've recruited this year, he's one of my favorite targets by far. I don't really care where he plays, but I've also run into the issue of Nebraska doesn't really care what anybody thinks about how their defensive back looks or anything like that. If they want him at corner, he's starting at corner. Did, did you watch his senior film? No, I've mostly gone off his junior film. I've watched a little, but the, I haven't watched like the full eight minutes or whatever. The first four minutes is just him lighting things up, just destroying people. Yeah, like it makes him fun. Like it, down it, down the box, it's like not e- like passes aren't even being completed, and the highlight is still him just absolutely obliterating yeah. some poor kid in Arizona. He's like Terry Tate. Basically, <laughs> you kill the Joe, you make some Mo. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, do you think that Nebraska can win this one? Yeah, I do. Yeah, I think so. Too. I didn't. Uh, I didn't very recently, but I'm. I've changed my tune. The, <laughs> is it because Bama's out officially now? Well, I don't know. Just it's just just a gut feeling, just a hunch. Well, and it's so interesting too, though, because he for so long was considered a Bama lean like by by media by his own well comments he, he was committed right right um 
Not publicly. Well, yeah. So not committed, as some would say. Yeah. Um, Nebraska lost one of those. They did. They got it back. Uh, no, they lost another one. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, that happens. Um, <laughs> sorry, we're just over here having a conversation. Don't mind us. No, you've got people now like, who is that? I mean, <laughs> I said it. I've tweeted it. Like, people did you? should know. Yeah. No, Brunson's confused. <laughs> All right. Go, okay. Anyways. <laughs> just talk. I, I, I mean, the fact that Bam is out is intriguing. The, the, you've got the little storyline of, you know, Nebraska offering his cousin. His cousin likely going to take a, a January visit, them being very close. Um, you know, that that's kind of, I think, another feather in Nebraska's cap. Does Arizona State or USC suddenly decide that they want to take his cousin? I mean, that that's – there's a lot going on there, but we'll uh, be locked in on the Polynesian Bowl f- for, I guess, more than just the great shots of Hawaii now. Yeah, have you ever watched the Polynesian Bowl? I have not. I couldn't tell you what channel it's on. It's on the CBS Family of Networks now. Oh, well. <laughs> Company guy? Yep. Do, do you think that they get him? Yeah, I think Nebraska does, but I also have felt that for a little while now. Uh, I, I mean, to me, it was all pointing that direction the longer that it went, that he didn't just commit to Alabama because it felt like Alabama wasn't allowing him to. And I mean, we sort of see why with how they ended things. I mean, they had Dax Hill and then they didn't, but they ended up not getting Dax Hill. So they just went and took Jordan battle from Ohio state, which is (laughs) kind of funny. In a way, like some sort of weird ass elephant exchange, you know, like the. Oh, the we'll go elephant. get this guy. Yeah. We'll go get this. They, they got the iPod. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, I, as soon as Alabama had those commitments a couple of weeks ago, it just felt like it was going to be Nebraska, because everything I had heard for months was that he really was interested in Nebraska, was curious about Nebraska, his cousin was going to play softball there, the family really wanted to see it. Then he came out for his visit and loved everything about it. Really, he already liked the coaching staff, and then he was out there and really loved him afterwards. And everything about Nebraska was super intriguing, and the whole caveat being, well, if this guy doesn't go to Alabama, he's got to go somewhere. And Arizona State was never in the picture until, I want to say, late November. Uh, so it I just – you add – you do all the math. It would seem as if there's almost an effort in which it wouldn't be Nebraska – that there, there'd have to be some reason for that, and I don't know why. So, to me, the simplest explanation is he's not going to go to Alabama, so his next favorite school that he visited would be Nebraska. They want him badly, and there's other factors that are in play that makes it appealing. So, to me, it all adds up to being Nebraska. I think there's this kind of feeling that still floats in the air around here that Nebraska is always going to lose in these type of recruiting battles or even ty robinson how many people you know this stupid thing about stanford like ty robinson and nebraska were pretty well locked in from the moment that usc removed their defensive line coach and at that point it was nebraska and there was nobody that was that close and we hear in the last weeks oregon's making a push and i don't think any of that i mean we can go on the record more about it at some point but i don't think a whole lot of that was as close as it was insinuated. Like I, I think Nebraska, once USC was mostly out of the picture, there was nobody else. A school might make a push 
and a kid and his family might be polite, yeah, that doesn't mean anything. Right. <laughs> and I think sometimes those, it all gets confused somewhere. But it was it was th- this was probably one of the more drama free signing days that I can. I mean, recall we've, we've covered all the same signing days. I don't know of anyone that was close to this one in terms of lack of drama. Yeah. Well, most I, of them and most of them involve like, you know, some dumb thing happening the night before or Terry Joseph talking to a kid till three in the morning. They get the kid and he never comes to campus. You have uh Jameer Calvin. You, you just have all sorts of things happening in the final week. And this was just outside of Jimmy Fritchie, which <laughs> really was great because it provided a little bit of something. The last week has largely just been a march towards what we know. The yeah, it was Travell Dixon. That was the yeah, the one that oh, yeah. he became a fireman. He went home. He's a fireman. Yeah, yeah. that was his dream. Yeah, cool. he went home. Very he went nasty. home the night before signing day. Said that he'd heard from God. Right, like he said that he'd prayed about it. Decided the next day that he was gonna. He God wanted him to be a Husker. Yeah, I mean, it didn't hurt that Terry Joseph was on the phone until three in the morning. <laughs> right, but. Well, the real recruiting know. doesn't start until 11 p.m. <laughs> yeah, that's where that line came yeah. from. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody that. knows that. Yeah. So that was fun. My favorite one was uh, Oa. Yeah. He picked UCLA. And Bo Pelini the next day said, that's his own stupid mistake. Or he had some quote like that where I was, when I'm holding the recorder up, I was like, hey, did you really say that about this 18-year-old? But he sure did. Yeah, he, uh, he took some <laughs> losses pretty hard in his tenure. That kid that went to Auburn, the wide receiver? Markel? No. Don. Uh, Walker? Yeah. 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 You yeah. could have a whole just podcast on <laughs> Well, there was the, the kid, the Markel Boston, who comes on a visit to Nebraska, been committed to ECU, loves his Nebraska visit, commits. Basically, everybody knows that he commits. By the time he gets off his flight home back in Alabama, Auburn's like, yeah, we'll take you. He doesn't even tell Nebraska that he's not committed anymore, just signs with Auburn. It's great. You can go back to Emmett Smith. Nebraska thought they had Emmett Smith and Marshall Falk, but George Darlington wanted him as a DP and not a running back. The tales that can be told. Yeah. Nothing like that this year, though. (laughs) They they missed out on Lloyd Summerall, which was sort of predicted from – the first moment that we knew Lloyd Summerall was visiting Nebraska seemed unlikely that he would come here. The thing I noticed about him is the coaches visited him and the school put out a really nice thing. Like it was really nice in Nebraska to stop by and all this stuff. And I looked at Lloyd Summerall's account and I don't think it had mention of it. I don't, maybe eventually he got around to it, but for a while there was no mention of Nebraska's visit, but there's all these gators all over the page. I was thinking to myself, yeah, that one's probably settled. Who is there? Is there Frost talked about the positions of need. He mentioned corner. What, as you look at this class, do you think that Nebraska has to get between now and the next signing day? Um, I mean, corner is a good place to start, right? But uh, not corner. Uh, Basically, to me, you're looking at a couple things: pass rusher, wide receiver. Yeah, right? those are the three highlighted: corner, pass rusher, wide receiver. Um, I, I definitely think you need that piece to complement Nance and Chase. Yeah, I agree. You got a pretty good working group, 
and now you got to find that that's something that just makes that whole thing splash for you this cycle and because that that's a thing where and it should be an easy sell to some kids because you got to tell them look we've got jobs open here i mean this is a spot we will play young kids if you can prove yourself and right now there's jd spielman there's Mm -hmm. a solid guy in cade warner and who else right it could be you and think about it, if you're a recruit and you play wide receiver, isn't this the kind of offense that would be really enticing to you? You have a quarterback that's competent, that's young, that you'd be playing with for a little while, and theoretically you can spread the ball quite a bit. Bruns doesn't seem like he agrees. He's making faces over No, there. I do agree. I'm, I'm right with you. So I, I'll be curious if some new people get unearthed. I mean, I know they offered Charles Njoku. That would be what seems like the number one wide receiver target for Troy Walters at the moment. But I'm curious if they can find somebody else. Because as much as we talk about, like, there's not a whole lot out there, I mean, Caleb Tanner's relationship with Nebraska really took off towards the end of December last year. And he ends up as part of that class and plays as a freshman. And I think it's going to be a big part of their team going forward. There can be a Caleb Tanner in this month of January. Like, I I know – it seems like they've taken care of a lot of the work and that we're going to talk about Pola Gates and a couple other people, but these guys did a really nice job last year when they had no time whatsoever to do anything and they finished with a class that was in the top 25. I think they're going to unearth some gems. I really do. Maybe they get them, maybe they don't, but I think there's going to be some people out there for sure. The the number I saw was of, of the – Top 250 prospects in the 24-7 sports composite rankings. Uh, 12% did not sign um, today. So I think you're going to see more of those hidden gem type guys, guys that maybe had, you know, maybe some Mac offers or some Mountain West offers or something like that who are suddenly going to be very much in need. The bell of the ball. Yeah. uh, (laughs) Yeah. So I mean that that'll be, the, you know the 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 edge rusher outside linebacker. I think they if they can find somebody now, that that's I think number one for them. Um, and you know how they kind of shift those last four or five spots. And it, you know it's also going to be them looking ahead to twenty 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 with as many guys as they have in the five hundred mile radius. Uh, that are pretty dang good players. Um, this is a good opportunity for Nebraska to get some work done there too that they didn't last year because of the, the coaching change and everything else. All right. Well, I think we will go ahead and end it there. Are we going to be back next week? Do, do we owe it to the people since we took off a week earlier in the month? What days, even with what nothing going on? It's the, What's Christmas? It's the day after Christmas, I believe, is uh, next Wednesday, yes. Yeah. Maybe like the – 27th or something we can get together and yeah. exchange our gifts if we can rouse yeah we can do a, our own white elephant exchange and as long as we can rouse you from your red dead redemption i can take a break i'm sure cool i have not played that game since october so i feel like i'm due I, I decided i needed to get professional responsibilities done first guess what they're done you guys can handle it from here that sound good Oops. Sounds good to them. If it sounds Oops. good to you, you can check out all their great work at Husker 24-7 while I'm playing Red Dead Redemption. <laughs> <laughs>